One of the things that I appreciate so much about uh, Kevin is his ability to see the good in so many different situations. Uh, for instance, Woodstock. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there. I'm not as old as Dave. Uh, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking that's, that's not what I would have come up with. Uh, so, anyway, good job. Good job, Kevin. Thank you for always seeing the right. Um, we're going to uh, try and troubleshoot um, this, and if it doesn't work, I may run off screen for a minute and change something over there to maybe get it up on the big screen. Um, so you can see what, what we're talking about today, because that, would be, um, that would be good. Um, so we, we are, I, I told you the beginning of the summer, kind of a school got out that, uh, that was going to be a little different this summer. We're going to break up the coffee mug Christianity series. And so we did like one and then we had a break and we did some more and then had a break and now we're, we're back. We're going to wrap up that, um, kind of spread out series for, um, for this. Oh, yay. Good job. Thanks guys. Uh, spread out that ser- series, um, <laughs> Anyway, we're going to wrap that up today. Um, so I, I want you to think just, just for a second, just kind of in your, in your mind, think about what it would be like if um, a contestant on, let's say America's Got Talent, um, or, or know, maybe The Voice, or some, some presentation, some show where you have to do something in front of a panel of people, and then... Um, and then they grade you, right? And then, and then they, like, first and second and third and, and, and whatever. Um, and uh, so, may, like, let's say Miss America pageant or something, okay? And it gets to the end, and um, the last few people are up on stage, and they're calling out um, the winners. And they, and they get to the last one. They're going to announce the winner. And somebody from the stage says, don't you judge me. We face judgment every day of, of our lives. And, and we don't really maybe necessarily think about it that way, but um, we do. We're, we're judged on our work performance, right? Uh, are they um, late or early? Uh, are they diligent or a slacker <laughs> in getting their job done? Um, we're judged on our school performance. At the end of every nine weeks, you get a report card that says how well you were doing. That's a judgment based on data that they've gotten. Um, we're judged on our clothing, on our um, hairstyles. We're judged uh, on our beard length and fullness and style. Yeah. Uh, it, it, for those of you who are able to carry the weight of manhood, you understand. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. Tracy wins uh, today. Um, so, uh, if if you if you ride a sport bike, known by several other uh, names, um, you're judged by those guys on cruisers, right? Um, I, I have a big motorcycle, but it's it's not a Harley, so. That, uh, just in case you didn't know, that just means that mine runs every time I want it to. Okay. Uh, (laughs) 
Maybe, and I hope you haven't experienced this, but I, again, I, we're just judged every day. It's just a part of life. Maybe your spouse has judged you um, against somebody else's spouse. And maybe they told you. Why, why can't you be more like, like him or her? Or, or maybe, they, maybe they didn't. We could talk about, like, body shaming is a big thing um, today that people talk about. It's about judging someone based on, like, made-up body type expectations. When somebody, um, I'll let you in a little secret of of my life. When when somebody speeds past me on the road, um, well, I don't know about you. I'm just going to let it all all out here. Um, if, If I past somebody who I think is driving too slow, I'm like, like get over, right? Like, what are you doing on the road? You shouldn't even be here. Like, learn how to drive. Um, but if somebody passes me, I'm like, oh, hurry up. <laughs> so, but the other thing I do is, is somebody passes like 254, whatever, somebody zips, if I'm going the speed limit, I go the speed limit, if somebody zips past me, um, I, I look at their license plate. And if, it, if there's a SG in the corner, I'm like, oh, yeah, Sedgwick County person. <laughs> Too important to go the speed limit. <laughs> Go faster. Uh, anyway, like, this is like, like you should have known, right? Like I should have known it's somebody from the big city. Um, I, the, the other thing is like m- most people, I don't, I don't know, like, when I meet somebody new, I typically, I don't tell them that I'm a preacher right off, right? I, 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 let, the, I let the relationship and the conversation marinate a little bit. Usually, I wait until they say their first swear word, and, and then I go, oh, I'm a preacher. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you came to my church, you would know. I hear that all the time. <laughs> so... I, so I like I get judged, right? Like I, apparently I I don't look very preachery, um, and and so people find that um, that fod. But we we get um, judged, we get judged constantly. But the weird thing about it is that the, the only time judging really bothers us is um, when it's about our lifestyle choices, right? So. So we'll let um, judgments in the workplace that somebody makes, t- typically we'll kind of just let those roll off our back. We'll, you know, we'll hear other things out and, and about, about our, our clothing or what we drive, and, and we'll kind of laugh that stuff off. But if somebody judges us based on like something we think in terms of morality or spirituality or sexuality, like we're ready to fight, Right? So you can judge me based on the clothes I wear, but if you're going to judge my lifestyle choices, like, like, no, you can't, you can't do that. So in reality, we accept as kind of normal, everyday kind of thing, judgments about certain things. But then there are other areas of our lives where we kind of say, no, um, judge, that judgment is, is off. Um, and, and, and so... Uh, I can't see you. Hey, Angelia, will you go to that next slide? There you go. Um, we, 
we judge at times. It's been a big topic in, in, uh, in, in the media and around the country in the last year. Uh, like judging somebody based on their skin color is off limits. We're not supposed to do that. But we seem to have no problem judging somebody based on their political affiliation. So, so we can go, this, this judgment is awful, like you can't judge that way, but then this judgment over here, this is okay. <laughs> you can ridicule somebody about their, about their political affiliation all day. And so while one criteria for judging is, is off limits, other, other areas of judgment, like this is fair game, that's just the way it is. So as we come to this deal, like in this whole series, we've been looking at passages of scripture that, that, are, that are used a lot and often used incorrectly. When we, we share them in a way that kind of takes them out of, of context. And so the, the, in reality, we only use this idea of don't judge me or only God can judge me. We use that as a kind of a get out of jail free card. But we don't necessarily personally follow that rule. And so we'll say, like, well, that's more like a guideline. Like, I'll use it when I want to. When you're judging me, I'm going to use that all the time. Don't judge me. You can't judge me. But if I want to judge somebody else, well, then that's okay. <laughs> There's a reason for, the, for that while we're doing that. So um, judging others is a sin when we judge based on our own arbitrary standards. Okay, so, so we sin when we judge. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago with Justin. When we judge somebody else based on our own standards of, of right and wrong or morality or spirituality or, or whatever, when, when we become the judge, that is a sin. Um, but judging others... Um, Well, how do I want to say this? Judging others is sinful when we pretend to be the judge. Okay? So when we characterize someone based on their appearance, we, we see them and we make a judgment about them. So when I was a kid, you might uh, look at somebody and, and we might say, well, we might use the word as a, it's not a good word. We might we didn't say, oh, she looks like a slut because of the way that she's dressed. Or we might assume that somebody is too good to follow the rules because of the car that they drive or maybe the speed that they're going. We might label somebody a criminal because of the color of their skin. So judging other people based on my personal made-up criteria in order to dismiss their opinion or dehumanize them as, as, a, as a person, like where we say your opinion doesn't count because you don't count, that's sin. But judging others can be helpful when it points them to Jesus. We're going to... We're going to get a little, it's going to get a little dicey here, okay, as we work through this. So just, just stick with me. Because we tend to err on the wrong side of this issue of, of judging. So let me give you some examples. 
Um, Moses is up on Mount Sinai and, and, and the, like the mountain is on fire. Like there's thunder and lightning crashing and God is talking and it just sounds like this huge, like they can't make it out, but it's huge and it's scary. And all the people of Israel are down at the bottom of the, the, the mountain and they're kind of looking at what's going on. But Moses has been up there for like 40 days and they're worried that he's dead or whatever. and They don't know what's happening. But like God's presence is there on the mountain. And then Moses comes down the mountain and he has those the Ten Commandments, right? He's got two stone tablets and he's got five commands. These are like the foundational commands of God's covenantal relationship with the people. And he walks down the mountain and what does he find? The, the people of Israel are, are currently breaking about half of the Ten Commandments. And so he throws the Ten Commandments at He makes a judgment about what the people are doing. And, and the end of that story, or the end of that little section of that story, is that that uh, Moses sends these people through the camp and they're just like killing everybody who's sinning. That's a that's big time judgment um, on the people. Jonah, in the story of Jonah in the Old Testament, Jonah judged the Ninevites. He, 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 he walked into the capital city of Assyria, uh, walked in about a day, it says, into the story, and then he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. See, just he judged the people. Jesus judged the people that were in the temple. They had set up a marketplace. They were buying and, and selling, which really wasn't necessarily the problem, but they were taking advantage of the poor, which God hates. The people that came to worship God. And that, so they were selling sacrifices to make to God that were, that were not the best, but they were charging way more money. And so Jesus, in judgment, overturned the tables of those selling. He used a whip to drive everybody out of the temple. God is not opposed to judging if it follows a, a few very important rules. Um, so the first rule is, uh, is this. Um, our judgment should always be based on God's standards. Right, so, so judgment is sinful when we judge based on our own arbitrary standards. But there's judgment in Scripture that is from Scripture. And so it's pretty like if there's a sin and you're breaking it, like we're not, I'm not judging that. I'm going, God calls this a sin. And, and so if you're a follower of Jesus, you probably shouldn't be doing that. And so we have to, we have to judge based on God's standards and not our own. That's what Jesus did when he cleared out um, the, the temple. N number two, judging should never dehumanize or dismiss uh, another, another person. And, and so judgment should be about discipline toward repentance. That's the goal. That oftentimes where we get into trouble is when we make a judgment that is just, so I don't want to listen to you or what you have to say, so I'm going to make a judgment about who you are. I'm going to dismiss you. And then I, this is cancel culture in today's language. This is what we do. Um, I don't like what you're saying, and so I'm going to dismiss you. Nothing you say ever again is going to be important to me. When we judge, it should be for discipline toward repentance. That's what Jonah did. He walked into Nineveh, 40 more days, and you're going to be overthrown. And what happened? The people as a, as a city repented, and they turned to God. Uh, so rule number three, 
Uh, judgment should be about actions and should never in, uh, uh, suppose in intent. And, and I think this, this one, number three, is where we often fail. And maybe I should say where I often, because I just made a judgment about all of us, um, where I often fail. That, that because I might assume others' intent based on the way I perceive their actions. Right? So I go, this person did this thing, and so this is the kind of person that they must be. Right? So I assume intent, who they are, based on what they've, what they've done. And, and that, that's where sin gets involved. And the, the story of Moses was uh, a little about that. Um, n- number three, uh, and, and this is a big one for, for churches. <laughs> when it comes to judgment, uh, judgment should never be used on somebody who is outside of our faith. We, as Christians, we, we should never judge people who are outside the boundaries of our faith. Justin spoke about that um, a couple weeks ago from Matthew 7, 1 to 5. And so, and so the goal for us is to be good judges who judge good. And, and I realize if you're a grammar Nazi, that's probably not, um, not correct grammar. And so uh, I, I apologize uh, for that. Don't judge me <laughs> based, based on that. I did that um, uh, on purpose. It, it means that... Um, uh, it, it means that we should be good judges who know when and how and who to judge. Because we've got to sort all of that out when we're dealing with judgment. So let's jump into our, our text today. 1 Corinthians, um, it is 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 13. And so here's Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Um, about some stuff that's going on there. And so he says, I wrote in my letter, so he wrote a letter to them previously about things. Uh, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, who's a Christian, who's part of the church, If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler, don't even eat with such a person. And then he goes on. For what have I to do with judging outsiders, people outside the church? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. And so his final kind of command is purge the evil person from among you. So Paul was addressing a serious sin issue within the church that was located in the city of of Corinth. Now, um, uh, in Corinth, uh, sin was rampant. Sexual sin, in particular, was just rampant in that that city. Um, And and so they didn't say, uh, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. That, that, was not their, that was not their motto. Um, by the way, I, we, we joke about that motto, right, for Las Vegas. Uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I just want to make sure that we all know um, what that really means. What that statement means is we know that when you come to Vegas, you are going to do things that mom, me, and daddy would not approve of, <laughs> right, or your spouse or your God, we know that, like, we've set this place up to give you the opportunity to do things that are probably outside the bounds of what you would normally do, but don't worry, we won't tell anybody. 
That's what they're saying. And we joke about that and we laugh, and we laugh about that. But um, for a Christian, that, that's like, well, wait a minute. Like I remember there's a verse that says everything that is done in secret or private or in the dark will come to light. <laughs> and so I just want to tell you, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in, in Vegas. <laughs> um, just ask all of the people that came back from Vegas and got calls nine months later. Uh, stuff that happens in Vegas doesn't stay, like it, it comes out and so whatever. Um, and so Corinth wasn't trying to hide the fact that there was sin going on. I think their m- motto was more like, what happens in Corinth should happen everywhere. Let's celebrate it. Just go crazy. The church then in Corinth, in an attempt to be like full of grace and mercy toward one another, they had allowed one of their own people to openly flaunt his sexual relationship outside the bounds of marriage. Um, but it was special, it was different because he, he actually was sleeping with one of his father's wives. So it's, it's not, not his mother, but his father had another um, wife and, and he was in a relationship um, with her. And so the law of Moses that God gave to him, Mount Sinai, it expressly forbid this kind of uh, interrelational kind of sexual behavior. Um, and so they had like a law there that said, don't, don't do this. But they're like, a lot like today, they're like, oh, but God is a God of grace and mercy and love. So come on, <laughs> tell us about it. So the people in the church in Corinth, they didn't just tolerate this sin, and they didn't just ignore it. Because they refused to judge it, what they actually did was condone it. They basically said, it's okay for this um, to happen. They They sanctified the sin by refusing to call it sin. So other people came in, and they saw this, and they went, oh, this must be okay here. Because they're not doing anything about it. But, but look at what um, c- com- comes next. In, in verse, um, oh, wait, I was supposed to say that. What the church refuses to judge, it justifies. That's, that's where we're getting at, right? So when the church is quiet about sin, when we, we decide, well, there's just things that, that, like the culture is difficult, and so we just don't want to mention it, what we're doing, we're justifying those things. We're saying, well, that's okay. You, you can do that because we're not going to deal with it. Um, but in verse 10, Paul kind of interrupts his thoughts and he offers some important um, cl- clarification. He says this. He says, look, um, you're not to associate with sexually immoral people, but, but wait a minute, pause here, because I'm not talking about the sexually immoral people who are outside of the church and in the world. Or the people who are engaged in all these other kinds of, of sin. If you wanted to avoid sin, you would have to leave the world. And so this has always kind of amazed me that, that Christians, as Christians, we could be so shocked by the sin that we see in the world. Right? Sometimes we look at what's going on like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're doing... Well, of course that's going on. What, what, did, what did we expect? When a non-Christian company does something non-Christian, why is that surprising to us as, as Christians? Like of, of course they were going to do that. Now, the, the only argument for a non-Christian company making Christian or biblical 
business decisions is that they know their customer, right? And, and since most people today claim some type of Christian faith, that we might go, well, that doesn't make any sense for them because they might lose, lose business. But Satan is not in the habit of coddling Christians alone. His goal is to destroy Christianity. So he's always going to be pushing the boundaries of, of what Christians think and, 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 and morally or ethically or spiritually things that we would be un, uncomfortable with. And so John 15, 19 tells us that we don't belong to this world. You see, John says, like, this is not our home. Our home is with God. And so we shouldn't be surprised when the world does things that God would not approve of. Right? Like there's two different kind of worlds going on here. And so I think about how Jesus dealt with sin in, in his ministry. Like if you, if you looked at the life of Jesus, he never went looking for sin, even though he was often surrounded by sinners. In fact, that was one of the things the religious elite had a problem with. They were like, he's always like he's eating and drinking with people that, that as a good Christian shouldn't associate with. But when he went into those situations, we don't have records of him calling people out because of their sin. We have him sitting down and having a relationship with them, talking with them, and, and, uh, and, and learning their stories. So consider how Jesus dealt um, with sin. Like he, he never went looking for it. And so Jesus expected the world to live according to a different set of rules. He called people out of the world and into a new way of living. And in that new way of living as a part of the kingdom, the sin that was in their life could be dealt with as a part of that, of that kingdom. And so he said, look, um, follow me, and then I'll give you the power and the strength to change the things of, of your life. And so he didn't point a, a finger. He, he called them in to relationship. And, and so in the next verse, like Jesus kind of, uh, Paul kind of draws the line. And so he says there's a different set of rules for the follower of, of Jesus. He's what he says. I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who calls themselves a Christian and who is guilty of sexual immorality, greed, idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler. And he says don't, don't even eat with that person. And so followers of Jesus should, we should have our actions judged according to Jesus' kingdom standard. And, and, and according to Paul, that can be pretty, pretty tough. So let's let just sit with you. Let this sit with you for just a second. Um, how can you and I, as followers of Jesus... Avoid associating with Christians who openly and defiantly sin against God if we can't judge their actions. How can we follow Paul's command if we're not allowed to judge the actions of other people? So we, we have this idea in our society, in our culture today, we say, don't judge and yet we can't follow the commands of God in Scripture if we don't judge on some level. Um, it's impossible to hold anyone accountable if you can't judge their actions. 
We'll deal with that more in verse 12 in just a second. But let's um, move on to the next um, part. Paul says this, what have I to do with judging outsiders? He says, what, what, do, what do we as followers of Jesus have to do with people outside of the church and, and what they do? Now, I could get up on my soapbox here. You, you've heard me talk about this if you've come to church for very, very long. Um, I, have a, I have a problem, just a personal problem with Christians boycotting non-Christian organizations and businesses. And I get that, you know, capitalism, that's how we force them to make changes. But even if they make those changes, are they making them for the right reason? They haven't changed the way they believe. They've just changed their practice <laughs> because it hurt them financially in some way. And so I, I just, I, I'm just not a fan of, of Christians boycotting companies because they didn't do what we wanted them to. I just think that's a little bullyish. I just don't, I, I just don't like that. And so, um, like, I guess we could be happy that we got our way if they changed their policy, but I just, in my mind, we didn't win, okay? Um, Justin's message uh, two weeks ago encouraged us to stop trying to be the judge and start being a witness. So instead of judging people, we're to witness to them. He said um, self-condemnation, self-examination cancels condemnation. You remember that? He he said, um, he said, put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. Look, look at ourselves. And, and he was exactly right in terms of dealing with people outside of the church. If you're not a believer in Jesus, you are not held to the same standard. We should not be demanding that you do things that we would do as, as Christians. It's, it's not the way it goes. So Paul straight up tells us to stop holding the world accountable to the word. And I, we do this all the time as Christians. We look at our, at, our, at our jobs and it's like everything goes on. We judge the world based on the word and they don't follow the same set of rules um, that, that we do. And so people outside the church, outside of faith in Jesus, they don't need a lecture from us. What they need is love. And they don't need our judgment. What they need is our Jesus. Jesus consistently confronted sin in the lives of Christians, but not the culture. Think about that. Jesus constantly confronted the sin of of the modern-day Christian, the Jewish person. He constantly called them to a higher standard, but not the culture. You don't find Jesus walking around and going, you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do that, and you better straighten up your act, and... They shouldn't do that. That leads us to the um, second half of of verse 12. He says, look, it is, uh, is it not those inside the church? So he said, we don't judge outsiders, but we should judge those who who are inside the church. And, and this gets serious, right? Because I, like, we're all just a little bit comfort- uncomfortable now going, oh, is everybody looking at me or judging me for my hair or my, what I'm wearing short so I must not be a real preacher. Uh, so I get that, right? Um, Paul's expectation is that the church as a whole, the church body in a local place 
should have such a family atmosphere that not being allowed to participate in Sunday morning worship gatherings would cause somebody to repent and to return. Right? That's the idea in the first century church, that being a part of it was so important and it was such a big part of their lives that, that, that if somebody was asked not to come back because they refused to deal with the sin, they were judged by the sin in their life according to God's word, that they would decide that they should give up their sin, repent of that, so that they could return to the body. It was that important to, to their life. But Paul doesn't expect us to just kick people out of the church. Um, like if that were the norm for us, um, I'll just tell you that, that none of us, myself included, none of us would be here. Like if we just, like if you sin and you get kicked out, that's not the way it is. So this um, rose to this very highest level of, of, of sin and discipline w- within um, the church. And I think the reason it comes to this point is that the man who was committing this sin had no remorse. He didn't care. He, he clearly shared it with everybody. He wasn't offended by it. He was almost proud of the fact that, that he did it. And he had no desire to repent of that. So he was doing it. He was okay with it. And he had no, no plans to change uh, the way that he was living. And, and so because of that, the harshest discipline was brought to bear. All of us engage in sin um, every week. Our desire is to look more like Jesus, even though we often smell a lot like the world. (laughs) You get the point of that? It was a little weird, (laughs) but but hopefully you get it. We want to look like Jesus, but but we live in the world and we're around that. And so um, we're just kind of drenched in it. And so our challenge... Um, that this week, it, you know, our, our goal, our mission as a church is to look more like Jesus every day. And so our challenge um, this week is, number one, to judge yourself first. We're talking about um, judging. We have to judge ourselves first. And, and Justin talked about that a, a couple weeks ago. Again, um, put down the magnifying glass with which we look at everybody else's life and pick up the mirror. And, and go, where am I sinning? Where have I uh, fallen short? What am I doing that, that is contrary to the word and not consistent with the kingdom um, of God? So we got to judge ourselves uh, first. Secondly, um, we should judge uh, uh, other believers, but not judge them again, not to dismiss or dehumanize them or cancel them out somehow, but only in the term of discipline that hopefully will lead to repentance. So if we're judging others, um, if we're judging others, it's, it's discipline that leads to, to repentance. And scripture is full of things. Iron sharpens iron. And that when we confront somebody and we go, look, there's this thing in your life that you seem to not have any problem with, but I feel like, like, like it's contrary to your faith and, and what you proclaim. The goal of that relationship and that accountability is, is that we would go, oh my goodness, like, like that's like, oh my goodness, I didn't even realize that I was doing that. Um, oh man, I, okay, yeah, like I'm going to stop and I'm going to not do that uh, anymore. So discipline that leads to repentance. And, and then the, the, third, the third thing um, 
uh, judge those outside the church, never. Okay, so, so two and three really go together. Um, that, that, we, that we judge other believers second, but not people outside the church. Like we don't, we, we just leave that up to God. And, and it's a difficult line for us to walk because, man, I, look, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm good. But you're not. You've got a problem and you've got to change. And, but that's a judgy part, right? We want to dismiss other people. We want, like, it's a difficult line to walk, but it's necessary if we're going to honor God's word so that we can extend hope to the world. I guess Christians, we've got to look different. We've got to think different. We've got to act different. We've got to do things in a different way because this world is not our home. And the way that the culture lives is not the way that, that we as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are called to live. And so it's got to be, it's got to be different. That's a difficult, <laughs> last couple weeks, it's difficult to be a disciple. But it's got to be different. We've got to live, we've got to live differently. Now let's pray. God, thanks for loving us and just uh, thanks for your grace and, and mercy um, on us who, who sin. Help us, God, to extend that same grace and mercy to, to other people. And, and, and really, God, in, the, in this area of, of judging, as believers, we should welcome judgment when it comes from your word. And, and we should welcome that so that we, it might change our lives and we might follow you more closely. Um, but God, man, when we're judged, we really want to judge. We really want to judge other people. And so help us, Father, um, to judge ourselves first, to judge others within the family of, of God, within our kingdom and within the church, to, to judge others with grace and, and mercy, but to judge for discipline and to bring repentance. And then, Father, when it comes to people outside the church, help us to treat them just like Jesus did, to call them into relationship that will lead to repentance, but not to judge them on the, on the front side. Um, and, and so God's kind of, we work this backwards. So um, through grace and, and mercy and love, a person outside of the church comes to be a part of the kingdom. And then, and then judgment within the kingdom happens as we spur one another on to, to love and to good works and, and to following you more closely. And then, and then ultimately we're able to judge ourselves. We've got enough understanding and, 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 and knowledge to judge ourselves. And then, and then the process starts all over again. So thank you, God, for, for laying this out for us, for giving this to us. It's a difficult line to walk, but we thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us do that um, with care and, uh, and with love. And so, um, Father, help us to judge correctly. Um, help us to be good judges who judge good. And uh, thank you for just being with us and helping us in that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So look, if you're struggling with um, sin here um, t today, I, I want you to find hope and to find help here at Real Life. I hope that's what you find. I hope when you come, that's what you experience, that you leave on Sunday morning 
um, maybe with conviction, maybe God's working in, in your life, but hopefully you leave um, feeling like there was hope and, 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 and help. Um, I, I think that there's a reason in the gospel, our response to the gospel message of Jesus is, is three simple steps, repent, believe, and follow. Because no matter how long you followed Jesus, these three actions coupled with their attitudes should be present in our lives. We should always be, as believers, we should always be in a state of repentance, which means that we're seeing our own sin, we're not hiding it, right? We're, we're picking up the mirror and we're seeing that so that we can deal with it. And we should always daily be reaffirming our belief. Our, our faults and our failures that, that, that are brought up because of repentance, because the Holy Spirit works that way, they remind us of our adoption into Jesus' kingdom. Without faith, we can't please God. And so we've got to remind ourselves of who we are in Jesus as dearly loved children adopted into his kingdom. And in what God has called us to through Jesus to look more like him and help others find real life in him as well. And we should also daily remind ourselves who we follow so that we're ready each day to make present the reign of God in the patterns of our daily lives so that God's kingdom and his will would be done on earth like it is in heaven. And, and you know, this always starts with me, right? It always starts with us personally. If we would be careful to judge ourselves and our own sin, we'd look more like Jesus. We'd be good judges who judge good. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.